Are you creative? That's a rhetorical question, because of course you are. A creative is anyone who makes something from nothing. Creativity is everywhere and in everyone. And that means you. So what's been stopping your inner creative from bursting out? Probably fear. Fear is part of creating something. It's a real bee. But don't worry, we'll help you get through that. This podcast will be your guide to claim your creativity, redefine your relationship with fear, and build a new life centered around creative expression. You're going to learn tools from people who have found ways to manage life's ups and downs by turning their experience into purpose. Think of this podcast as your very own creative community. This is Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. Hi, it's Lauren LaGrasso here. And before I get into the creative check-in, I just want to talk with you a little bit about the Girl Boss Rally because I'm speaking there this coming weekend and there's still time to buy tickets. You can get them at girlbossrally.com. Just click register and I'm going to be there on the 29th and the 30th talking all about how to make a podcast, how to build one from the ground up. If this is something you've ever been interested in, it will be a great opportunity for you to learn the secret sauce and talk creativity with me. I would love to meet you and give you a hug and thank you for being part of this amazing community and for being my friend in my head. So come on down the 29th and the 30th, get your tickets at girlbossrally.com. And now dun, 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 to the creative check-in. So this one came up because I was talking to my mom. Shout out to Joanne. Hey mom. She listens every week. She's part of the community. And we were talking and, you know, one of my good friends is in a new relationship. And she was talking about how, you know, she's she's excited because this new relationship is bringing up lots of possibilities for her and what they can do together and maybe things she can do down the line in her business. And my mom said something that really struck me. And she said, you know, I mean, I could do her voice. I will <laughs> pull my leg. She was like, you know, I just love it because you girls are so young and this is a great time. If you want to start something new, you can start something new. And I had to stop her and I was like, mom, yeah, that's true. But that's also true for you. I think we get so wrapped up in the age thing and putting limitations on ourselves based on the age we are, whether we think we're too young or too old to do something, when really it's a lot less to do with the physical age of your body and more to do with the courage of your soul. Do you have the courage to be happy? Do you have the courage to be the person that you want to be? Age is always going to be there. If we're lucky, we get to grow older every year and grow wiser. But I think that, like I've said before, there's power in the late bloomer. And to put a limitation on ourselves due to the fact that we think we're too deep into a career is never true. It's really about do you have the courage to be the person that you know you're capable of being? Do you have the courage to take those steps? Like I've said a million times, we can't control outcomes, but are you going to at least put yourself in the position to maybe get what you want and to put everything out there? And if you fail, so be it, but allowing yourself the chance to live your dreams. And it's never too late for that. Never. Anyway, I believe in my mom and I'm grateful that she believes in me and that I'm the right age, but 
whatever age you are, whether you're 15 or you're 92, if you want to try something new today, just do it. I believe in you. All right, now to the guest. Heather Young is a model, real estate agent, and reality star, best known for her work in Playboy, Netflix's new reality show, Selling Sunset, and one of LA's top real estate agencies, the Oppenheim Group. Her creativity emerged as a child through dance, putting on shows for her parents and taking ballet, tap, and jazz. However, her childhood was clouded by many moments of questioning, self-doubt, and a deep desire to feel beautiful, inside and out. That desire drove her to chase big dreams. At the age of 18, she left her hometown and ventured to L.A. to pursue her modeling career. After a couple of years of struggling to build connections and casting calls, she finally got her big break and was hand-selected by Hugh Hefner to become a Playboy Playmate, which was her dream. Eventually, she earned the title of Playmate of the Month. Years later, wanting to diversify her portfolio, Heather decided to transition her talents and people skills into real estate selling million-dollar homes for one of the most prestigious agencies in L.A., the Oppenheim Group. Especially as a woman in this business. You know, we're surrounded by these, yeah, billionaire men or like multi-multi-millionaire businessmen that come in and um, it is intimidating. But I've had these businessmen, billionaires use me because of the relationship I've built with them. Eventually, she got the opportunity to appear as a cast member on Netflix's Selling Sunset, which chronicles her and the elite real estate brokers she works with. I wanted to have Heather on the show for a multitude of reasons. First, I've never had a real estate agent before, so I was interested to hear how you can bring your creativity to the table in that industry. I also wanted to talk with Heather because her superpower is building relationships and her journey to self-love is inspiring. From our conversation, you'll learn how to cultivate self-love, not let relationships hold you back, balance your passions and your career, tips to get started in modeling, use kindness as your superpower, and some hints on what you might see if we get a Selling Sunset Season 2. Now here she is, Heather Young. So I like to start out by asking people, When was the first time you realized you were creative? (laughs) It's so funny because I'll tell like the average person, I don't think I'm that creative, which is, and people are like, yes, you are. That's ludicrous. But, you know, I'm around like so many artists and singers and actors and actresses and um, I don't put myself in that category, but then people are like, yes, you are. So I don't know. I think I'm still figuring out how creative I am, honestly. When you were little, do you have any memories of putting on plays for your family or dancing around? Do you have anything like that? Yeah, I think as like a little girl, I I mean, I talked to a lot of my girlfriends and I think they were kind of the same. We would put on like dance shows and film it and have our parents watch and like sisters and brothers and we'd practice all day and put on routines. Oh, and actually I did do ballet, tap and jazz for 14 years. I forgot about that. that little thing. (laughs) That little thing that I used to do. Yeah. Your model. Yes. How did you get into modeling? When did that spark in you? <laughs> it's so funny because I was the little girl that from like age 10, 11, 12, 13, I wanted to be something beautiful. Mm. I wanted to feel beautiful. And I loved Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders. And I also loved Playboy Playmates. 
So I would look at Playboy when I was maybe 14, 15. Where did you find it? My ex-boyfriend's parents' <laughs> house. And like it was like just sitting right there. And yeah. um, and I never looked. Obviously, it wasn't like a sexual thing to me. It was just like these women are so stunning. And I wanted to be a beautiful woman. Like I always felt like I was so thin and, and tiny and no boobs. And um, I never felt beautiful. So I wanted to grow up and be like a beautiful woman. Um, so Playboy was actually my start into modeling and I went to a Playboy casting and they called me like a month later and I ended up booking special editions for Playboy. And then maybe fast forward another six months and my ex-boyfriend, he's a photographer for Playboy. He resubmitted photos of me, like new modeling photos. And I got a call a week later to go test for Playmate. Wow. And yeah. you got it. I got it. Yeah. yeah. I was waiting for that call for like a month. And then I got the call that Hef chose me. And he hand selected you. Yes. So did you work directly with him after that? So basically the way it works or used to work, unfortunately Hef has passed yes. now. The test shoot is done by two photographers. Um, it was Arnie Freytag and Stephen Wada. I shot with Arnie and they basically print out photos and hand take them to Hef. And so that's so special because like he's been doing that for years and years and he chose me off of those printed photos. So yeah. So then after I did my test shoot, all the girls stay at the mansion. So Mm -hmm. it's like he meets you, you do dinner um, with like other playmates. It's like um, movie night and um, game night, things like that. So he personally wants to meet you, see your personality, um, get to know you a little bit. And then he decides. So, yeah, it's not just based on looks. It was based on personality, and um, he wants the girls to represent the brand. So speaking of brand, Mm -hmm. I mean, that is one of the most iconic and well-established brands of all time. It's obviously going through a transition now that half has passed. Yes. But you must have learned a great deal about business, about branding, about creativity from working with them. And so I'm wondering, what was the greatest lesson you learned from working with Playboy? And how do you take that into your modeling, your real estate, everything you do now? I think with Playboy, they always held us to a higher standard as women. And they're very strict with us. So when we're working, we're working. There's no drinking. There's no partying. You're you're working. You're taking photos. It was it was a lot of work. I met a lot of fans, and they always taught us to be very poised and very put together. So I think I took that into the rest of my jobs. I show up at a modeling job, and you know I'm always on time. I'm always you know bring my personality. I don't complain. I try to make it an easy, fun, relaxing day because it can be taxing. It's hours and hours and hours of shooting sometimes. And so I, I think I just take that into everything, like always have poise, always kill people with kindness and be grateful for every job that I book. And another thing that I kind of want to go back to with you was you talked about a deep desire to be beautiful growing up. Yes. Where do you think that that feeling of like, lack almost comes from because, you know, I think a lot of us feel like we're not enough in one way or another. And to me, it's like I'm sitting in front of this drop dead gorgeous woman and Mm -hmm. I'm sure you you feel differently now than you did when you were a kid. But where did that stem from and does it ever resurface today? I think as women, we're so hard on ourselves. One day I'm like, oh, I feel beautiful today. And the next day I'm like, oh, you know, and I think it's a, a mind game, honestly. And I think it's just confidence, inner confidence. And I don't know where it stems from because I have amazing family. Um, my mother always, you know, I'm, 
told me I'm beautiful and I'm enough. So I don't know. I think it's just a woman thing, honestly. Mm -hmm. And I try to work on it every day. I'm, I think I'm a very confident woman now, especially I'm 31. Yeah. That 30, I just turned 30 myself and that switch from 29, even like mid 29 to 30. I was like, Oh, I'm becoming a woman. Something's changing in me. You know, there's something that shifts in your brain and you just have less F's to give. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like cutting out negative Mm -hmm. and Um, I really try to surround myself with positive, loving women. And I have, I just don't take bullshit anymore from girls. And, you know, I'm, I'm a very, very sensitive person. So I think like if there's someone negative in my life and it's impacting me, I just like, I just cut it out. I I really do my best to just get rid of that. That's great advice. I mean, how else do you work on building up your self-esteem, your self-confidence and seeing yourself for the beautiful woman you really are? I listen to audiobooks. I surround myself with my friends. I talk to my mom every single day. My girlfriends really are my saving grace. And they help me through guide problems. They help me through work problems. And it, they're just my outlet. Um, also, I do meditation, transcendental mm-hmm. meditation. That's really you helped me. You do it me. twice a day, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really helped me kind of just like let things roll off my shoulders a little bit more and try not to like worry about the small things. Um, I don't know if that has to do with confidence. I mean, I think it does. It's all around makes me feel better. So it's then, setting a foundation for yourself. Exactly. I think of it like sealing the day. Mm-hmm. You know, you seal the day in the morning and you seal it at night. So anything that happens in between is fine, but you have that foundation on top and on bottom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I you know, I work out a lot. I take good mm-hmm. care of myself. Um, I'm vegan. So I've been vegan for almost eight years um, and I just feel really good. Uh, I feel I feel like I'm 21 years old, honestly. And um, you look like you are. Thank too. you, thank you. <laughs> but going back to modeling a little bit, a lot of people might look at that career path and think like, "Oh, well, all you have to do is like stand there and look pretty. It's not that hard." <laughs> but from watching America's Next Top mm-hmm. Model, which is really my only reference point, I know you have to bring an immense amount of creativity to it. So, in what ways have you had to bring your most creative self to the table as a model? And in what ways is it creative in a way that you wouldn't realize from the outside looking in? Yeah, I've heard that before. It's like, oh, you're a model. Okay. But after a day of modeling and like working for, say, a lingerie company or Playboy or whatever it was, it's mentally and physically draining. And you have to be on. You can't you can't have moments where you're not looking your best or feeling your best or, you know, your face doesn't glow or your eyes aren't – you're not telling a story through your eyes and – um I think like starting when I was 20 and my ex-boyfriend was a photographer and I think he kind of really helped me figure out my angles and my body and how to look good and how to feel good. And I think it's just, it's confidence when it comes down to it. I just turn it on. I don't know. I don't, I, sometimes my mind goes blank when I'm, I'm really? shooting. Yeah. I just like, it's almost like you're meditating while you model. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think that that can really be a thing, though, because, you know, I write songs and sometimes I'm like, where did that even come yeah, from? Right? I don't know what that's about. It's like it almost comes, comes through, through you. And you. I think I call that a creative flow state. Yeah. Like when you're really mm-hmm. in the right place, mm-hmm. it's almost like, you know, whatever higher power you believe in or the universe, it's coming through mm-hmm. you and speaking through you in that moment. I love that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that it. means you're in the right place at the yes, right time. I agree. And if somebody did want to get into modeling, like there's a young woman or man listening to this, what would be your advice to them and something you wish you'd known when you were starting out? Pick and choose who you shoot with in the beginning. Um, I think, you know, before I really started booking work, I would shoot with some photographers and 
those photos do not go away. Mm-hmm. So like I look back 10, 11 years ago, I'm like, oh God. <laughs> like, I mean, it was nothing like horrible, but it was just like, ugh. So I think like pick and choose and get with a really good agency. For the ladies out there, be careful mm-hmm. who you shoot with. Like don't just go to any man's house. Do not just... It's just so scary. I've heard of like these horror stories, and I've had like some really bad experiences too. And just be safe for the for the women. I mean, and the men too. But just be careful who you work with. What's the toughest situation you've been in with that, and how did you recover from it and get your confidence back up? Because that that can really yeah. kind of devastate your relationship to whatever your creative outlet is. I mean, luckily, nothing major has happened to me but you know just showing up at a shoot and it was so unprofessional and you're I've walked off jobs before where it was just like you know you're you're made to think you're going to be working for this company or this company and they lie or like I'm show up to think I'm working for Coca-Cola or whatever and Mm -hmm. it's like some bullshit little brand that like they just lied and lied and lied and I've left and I'm like I'm not doing this so things like that. And maybe at that time, I don't think, maybe I didn't have an agent. I don't know. Right. You're trying to cut your teeth. Yeah. Yeah. So get with an agent, get with someone that can take care of you on that aspect. And you don't have to deal with the money. You don't have to deal with behind the scenes stuff. They're doing all of that. And another thing too, like I've, I've heard of so many women and, and models, they have low self-confidence and it really like, breaks my heart because like, like we talked about before, these women are the most, like some of the most beautiful women in the world and they have like eating disorders or they, you know, they don't think they're pretty or they don't have the confidence or they're with abusive men. And, um, beauty comes from within. It's not just on the outside and it's how you exude that beauty and don't let anyone tell you you're fat or ugly. And that's what I always said. Like, I'm not going to lose weight for it. Book me how I am. If you want me, you want me. If not, I'm not going to lose weight for you. So... Well, it sounds like you had a really good head on your shoulders when you started out. And I think the problem is a lot of people, and I'm not a model by any stretch of the imagination, but I was pursuing acting really Mm -hmm. hard when I first got out here. And I didn't have my head on straight about it. It was like all or nothing. I was like, if I don't get this job, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I I need this job. That's the only way I can be good Mm -hmm. as a person. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is have your head on straight. See your inner beauty. Let that be your foundation and everything else is just a cherry on top. Exactly. Exactly. Don't change yourself because someone's always going to want you the way you are. Mm -hmm. Don't change yourself for somebody. So you spoke earlier about girls and like getting women out of your life who weren't for you. Yes. And I feel like that's a kind of a good transition to the reality show Uh that you've been on. (laughs) Not to say that they're not for you, but there is some competition there and There's some interesting feelings, so I'm excited to talk with you about it. So you transitioned, and you're still modeling, but you transitioned from modeling to real estate. And I'm curious what brought that on. Even though modeling and acting was my career for so long, I wanted to do something else later on because, you know, I'm not 5'9". I'm not 5'10". I I know, like, my boundaries with my modeling. I know my body. I know what I am, and I know what I can do, and – I'm also very, very outgoing. I'm very personable. I built like a lot of relationships with people. So I felt like real estate was a good transition for me, like networking. And um, I built like these like really deep friendships with people. And so someone put the idea in my head and I'm like, yeah, I don't know, like real estate, I'm not really like, I don't feel that. And then I'm like, you know what? Why not? I'm just going to do it. 
So I put my all into it and I didn't know anything about real estate. Studied, 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 took the test and I passed. And I was like, yes. About three months later, I sold my first home. It was 7.2 million. And then literally like maybe- How was that your first I home? Know, <laughs> I know. That's why I said I had built relationships That's with amazing. people. And like- Were there relationships through the entertainment industry? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then cool. also, you know, I hate to talk about him because like he's so irrelevant in my life, but my ex-boyfriend, like, you know, he really did help me meet. He was in the industry and we were together. We were kind of, you know, this power couple and-, and you know, we go to dinners and we mingle and we meet and greet people. And I met a lot of wealthy people through him. So I built those relationships and those friendships. And then they were like, oh, well, let's give her a chance, you know? And and that's also like, I touched on it on the show. Like, I might not be the most business savvy woman. I'm working on it. I mean, every day I try, I work and I work at it, but I am loyal. I am friendly. I am personable and I will work hard for you. So maybe I can't be the best businesswoman, but I have Jason for that. So like Jason and I are a really good team. So I bring in like the friendliness and the fun and like the trust and like Jason kills it with the business. I think we also have to redefine what being quote business savvy means because to me, business, it's relationships. That's true. And without Mm -hmm. the relationship, you don't have anything. I I learned that from a woman named Shelly Zalis Mm -hmm. who has done amazing things. I mean, she's been a complete pioneer in the tech industry, but now she has this thing called the female quotient. Okay. And she says business, all it is, it's relationships. And if you understand that, you can understand everything about it and you can do anything. So true. So the fact that you get that piece, that's the part that can't be taught. Yeah. You could learn that other stuff if you want to. Now it might take you longer to get it and it might take you longer for it to synthesize. But the fact that you understand how people work and you make people feel comfortable, that's what's most important. And that's what I really like. It's just in me. Like I love people. I love building those relationships Mm -hmm. and that to me is the most important thing. And I would never, and I say this on my show, I would never hurt someone to get farther in my life and just to make money. And there's certain people in my business that would, and I just wouldn't because my relationships with people are more important than money to me. Are there any people who work within the Oppenheim group who you feel are in that category? <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're not on the show. Okay. I was wondering about that. Yeah. I mean, we have, you know, our office is a boutique office, which is great because Jason really handpicks everyone that he wants in the office. But, you know, the show features women and women empowerment, which I love. And that's also another reason why we, why we did the show to get that, get that out there that women can be beautiful and hardworking and smart and intelligent and be bosses. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, there's some other people in the office that I can't name names, but I just like can't agree with the way they work. I just really can't and it and I can't respect them for that. But you know what? That's they can do them and I'm going to do me and I can't let it affect me. How do you deal in a workplace environment when there is somebody like that who's of a lower level of integrity that you are and they try to drag you down to their level? How do you set those boundaries? And what's your advice for other women in a similar position? You know, like I said, I always try to kill people with kindness. I'm always very nice. I don't hate anybody. I don't. I'm not like, I hate that person and I, and I won't talk to them. I just, I'm nice, but I keep it very professional and I don't let them in. Um, and I tend to let people in too quick and too fast. And I've really like, as I gotten older, I put that guard up until like I can earn your trust and you earn my trust. I don't know. I think always keep it classy. 
be a queen, like walk into like, the queen of England, you know, like she yeah. has class and she walks in and shout out to Elizabeth. <laughs> yes. And she's poised and like, she could be dealing with the meanest or, you know, and she just doesn't let her, let it affect her. If it does, you don't show it. So I think don't even like give people that time, the time of day, if they're going to treat you a certain way. And, um, no matter what they're doing to lower their integrity, don't let it lower yours. Just stay strong. Another thing I've been really interested in and impressed by at your place of work, when I was doing my research for Mm -hmm. you, I looked up your bio and I was so impressed by the fact that they included your personal history as a model and all of your accomplishments there. It seems like they really value their employees for the full person they are, not just what they can bring to the group. Absolutely. And like a lot of people would look at our office or our show and be like, oh, Jason, you only hire hot girls. Like that's not what it is. He really like wants a full spectrum person. Like he's not just like, oh, she's hot. I want her in the office. That's mm-hmm. not why we're there. And I met Jason through when I was with a different broker and I had a client I was showing a home to Jason's listing. And Jason saw like how connected I was and my personality. And he literally called me that day and said, I want you at my office. Mm -hmm. And like what I love too is there isn't any judgment like, oh, she's a playmate or she was a model or she was an actress. Like, you know, maybe a lot of people would judge judge me for that or be like, oh. try to make you like – almost amputate that part of your life. Like, okay, you were a model then and maybe you do that in the morning and the night and like on the weekends, but here you're a real estate agent. What I love about that is they have a new approach, which is I think a more millennial way of thinking where bring your full self to the workplace. You're, you're a side hustler, bring it in. That's interesting. That makes you a well-rounded human being. Most people don't have that. Most people are pursuing many passions, but they're at work and they're forced to be just one thing. So if they're in that situation, what would your advice be to them on how to bring more of their full self if they don't really feel supported to do so? I mean, that's tough because my work is, it is, it's like so versatile. I can, Mm -hmm. I can work from home and I I can go do a shoot. I'm doing a shoot in the morning and Jason's not like, I need you at the office. I mean, he loves when I'm there, but real estate has been so flexible that I can still do my other passions. And I think my advice would be still follow your passions, at least in your off time. If you can't at work and you're not allowed to still follow your passions, don't be a robot. Don't go home and like forget everything that you love or try to fit it in still on the weekends, try to fit those things in. So you still are yourself and you don't lose yourself in your work. I don't think that's healthy. I think that's going to make someone depressed and miserable. Absolutely. Yeah. That's basically the reason I started this podcast was because I realized repressed creativity is the cause of so much of the world's suffering. All these unlived lives stacking up inside of us. Yeah. And that's not a way to live, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I kind of say that about a relationship if we want to dive into that a little bit. Um, I feel like so many people stay with someone and they lose themselves or they're unhappy for so many years and you're making each other miserable. And a lot of people, you know, they stay for the kids or whatever their reason is. And, you know, I don't have children. I'm, I'm not married. I haven't been married. And so I don't know. But for me, happiness in this short life that we have, it's a long life, but it's a short life, I think is more important than staying in something or at something that you are miserable at. And you did recently publicly talk about the fact that you and your beau mm-hmm. had broken up. I'm curious about if you have any like insight to share if somebody is at that stage where they're deciding whether or not they're going to stay together, how to make that decision and 
how you're getting through the breakup. Yeah. You know, I'm a relationship girl. I was with my ex of seven years from 20 to 27. I was single. I know it was like a marriage and he was a little older and I don't regret anything. I don't say like, oh, I, you know, maybe I did at one point, like, oh, I stayed too long or, but you know what? Like you learn from every relationship. And I think that comes with age too. I look back, I'm like, you know what? He served his purpose in my life at the time. And I wouldn't be where I am today without him. And I truly believe in the universe, like putting things in our lives at the right time. Like timing is everything. Mm -hmm. So after that breakup, that was a tough one because I had never gone out, you know, with him. Like we traveled a lot. We had a great fulfilled life. But as a single woman, I never went out. So I had fun. I dated. I, you know, hooked up. I traveled. I literally took a year and I said yes to everything. Do you want to go to Burning Man? Yes. Do you want to go here? Yes. Like I just like went and I, and I live life to the fullest. And then I was like, you know what? I'm exhausted and I'm ready. And I finally came to a point and I was like, I'm happy being alone. And then I met my ex, um, Nick, who was on the show a little bit with me as well. And I spoke about him a lot and he was younger than me, seven years younger than me, but his heart And he's just, he had morals. His heart is so sweet. And I needed that in my life at the time. It was easy. It was like an easy relationship, but easy in the sense that it just like flowed Mm -hmm. hard in the sense that it was a long distance because he is a hockey player. So you saw on the show that I did a lot of long distance with him. And finally I moved to go be with him first in Slovakia and second in Sweden. So I gave up a lot of my life to go and do that. And ultimately, I just kind of came to the point where I need to live for myself and I'm more important. And like love to me is the most important thing in the world. It really is, but for the right person. And it has to be a give and take too. If one person is giving up all of themselves to flock to the other person because of circumstance even, there's an energy imbalance there. And I think that that's a really logical way of realizing if something's right or wrong. Exactly. And, you know, we're great friends. We talk almost every day and we talk about that. And, you know, him being younger, a lot of people are like, oh, age, age, age. But, you know, it's the person. And I think he's kind of coming to terms with realizing how much I did give up. And I don't think he acknowledged that when we were in the relationship. But now he acknowledges it. And he's like, you know, I'm sorry that I didn't acknowledge everything that you gave up to come and support me. And I think it came down to support. I didn't feel fully supported in my career or my life or what I wanted to do. And I just felt like I'm turning 32 this year. I need to go and focus on myself and my work and get myself fully happy again. So it was an amicable breakup. Like I said, we're still friends. So it wasn't super tough, but I think I just knew. And like he served his purpose in my life, you know, and he's an amazing human and I needed him in my life at the time. And now I'm like, okay, now I can focus on myself and take that into my next relationship. And my next relationship, I'd like it to be my husband. (laughs) If somebody's in a similar situation where they've gone through a breakup and you seem like you're in really good spirits and because I think you know in your heart that it was the right thing to do. But a lot of people, they go through these breakups and their self-confidence, their creativity, their happiness is decimated. Yes. And they're just trying to make it through the day. 
it sounds like you've also had that sort of experience. What would be your advice to them on how to build themselves up again and get back to their creative life and their passion? I always say surround yourself with your best friends and your family and people that have no judgment on you. And like I call my girlfriends sometimes and they just let me talk and we just like cry to each other. We talk to each other. And so surround yourself with people that lift you up and there aren't negative, 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 just positive people. And it might take a little while to get get yourself back together, but find your passions again, whatever it might be, and go for walks, meditate, read books, like watch your favorite movies and listen to, I love listening to music. I just put music on every single day and that puts me in a, a happier mood. And, you know, I have days where I'm more stressed or I'm not always like happy and positive and meditating, but no one is. I, yeah. No one is like, I have days where I'm like stressed out of my mind, but I do my meditation. I throw on my music. I talk to my girlfriends and instantly it changes for me. Yeah, you can't control what life throws you all the time, but you can control how you react to it. Yes. And that's it. That's like, it's trying to not react to every little thing that comes your way. The big things, yes. You know, you can react to them and, um, but I don't know, you just can't let every little thing hit you hard and ruin your positivity in your day. And, um, it's taken time for me. I mean, I'm 31. I've let a lot of negative people in my life, but now it's kind of, I'm at a really good place with that. And, just kind of like cut them off. And I, oh, and also learn to say no. Ooh. Yes. So what are some tips for learning that? Because that's a hard one in particular for women Oof. and Midwesterners because I'm from yes. the Midwest. Oh, yeah. So we, we smile our yes. words because we're so nice. Yes. We're from the Midwest. Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. My sister's in Minnesota. Oh, that's where my boyfriend's from. <laughs> yes. Minnesota. You know, I think like, I'm a people pleaser. I just, I want to please everybody. And, but you get exhausted saying like, yes, yes, yes to everything. And um, I think it just comes with time and age. And I would say yes to things and the day comes and I'm like, have anxiety to go to something. So now I'm just kind of like, you know, I'll let you know. I can't commit to that, and I, I'll, but I'll let you know if I can the night before or that day or something. And if they need to know right now, then I say, I'm sorry, then I, I can't. I can't go. So I think just like focusing on yourself and the most important things and then say yes if that day comes and you you find joy in it, then yes, then do it. But just say no to people and they'll get the picture. They'll get the hint. They'll maybe stop asking. And I don't know. I just like think it comes with age. Definitely. So getting back to the show a little bit, I think what's so great about you on the show is that you really – came across as yourself. And I did feel in watching it mm-hmm. that there were some people who were putting it on. And I'm curious to see if you agree. And if so, who do you think is kind oh, no. of putting it on in a little you're different putting, than in you're real me life? You're putting me in a tough IRL. position. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, for me going into it, I just said, I want to be myself because I don't want, I, I want to know that when it comes out, I'm not like cringing, like, oh right. gosh, what do they do? Like, what did, how do they edit it? Or so I was just true to myself. So I kind of knew, okay, there's nothing that they can do to make me look bad. And I think, you know, me being on camera before that helped as well. I, I felt comfortable. We had three cameras on us at all times. I mean, not 24 seven, but we had three. At all times you were filming. At all times we were filming. We had crew of, you know, 20 or something. And it was stressful and intense. Like it was tough. And well, here's the thing. We're a very close office. And like, 
a lot of people are asking, were you guys casted? No, we were not casted for the show. So that's literally everyone that works in that specific office? Yes. Oh, wow. See, I was thinking it was more like Vanderpump Rules where they plucked certain people out. No, it was all. And that's like another thing that was like really original for us because, or like Million Dollar Listing, they're from different offices. Like we all work together and we're all like family. Like I've known Jason and Brett for five years. Maya and I have known each other five years and Jason and Brett and Mary, we all hang out like every week. We go to coffee every morning together. Um, I drink tea. I don't drink coffee. But, you know, we're like a family. Like, call each other, text each other. Like, we go out together. And I think when it comes, like, families fight. And you you saw on the show, like, there's arguments. There's fighting. You're, you're in stressful situations. So our office, like, that's our, that's our crew. That's my family. And um, I think maybe some of the girls maybe weren't as comfortable on camera at first. Or maybe played up the meanness or the yes. drama a little. That's yeah. the one I'm thinking. Yes. You know, because I realized like in the first episode, it felt like one person in particular mm-hmm. was playing a character versus just being who they really yes. were because they thought maybe that would fill a certain slot on the show and get more airtime. And I think it's interesting that sometimes the most creative thing is just being yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think like, you know, Christine, especially, she got a lot of hate for being kind of like the villain and, and, you know, the bitch on the show. And, um, but you can tell she's a softie underneath all that. She is. Like in the way she interacts with Mary, you can tell that she's got a really open heart and a loving heart. Maybe she's been hurt. Yeah. And so she's got her guard up a little bit. Absolutely. I felt like she was leaning into that more than was actually true for her. I think she, you know, her and I have gotten closer in the last, um, you know, maybe like year and a half. You a called year. her out on air though, yeah. which and I, I like. And like I will to this day, mm-hmm. you know, if she acts a certain way, I like get, get on her and she'll be like, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I'm like, I know you, you have a heart. Don't like act like you don't. And she always will be like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry I said that. Oh, oh yes, I know. Okay. I love you. And so we might have like our moments, but like she is quick to apologize or at least like, she realizes when she's, you know, done something wrong. And I say it on the show, like she has a sweetheart deep down. She comes across as this like tough girl and she is like where I'm, I'm sensitive and I'm sweet and I'm kind all the time. I mean, I have my moments too, of course, but she comes across and maybe that's played up or it's shown a lot on camera. Um, that exterior of her being a boss bitch and like a tough and kind of just like doesn't give a crap what she says and she will she just says whatever she's like verbal diarrhea but (laughs) but like she doesn't I don't think she means it to be mean like the way maybe it came across on camera or in certain scenes but she's a sweetheart and I think she just um she's insecure like we all are you know we all have our insecurities and maybe that's her way of putting that guard up and speaking of insecurities I mean you're selling these houses that are multi-million dollar houses yes With these people who obviously are incredibly intelligent, of course you are as well, but sometimes when you're in those situations and you're working with these people that have mind-blowing lives, it's easy to talk yourself into believing you don't belong there. Especially as a woman in this business. You know, we're surrounded by these, yeah, billionaire men or like multi-multi-millionaire businessmen that come in and um, it is intimidating. And even like going up against other real estate men, you know, they kind of like, they look at you and they're like, oh, well, she's just pretty. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Oh, she was a model. Oh yeah. Every model turns into a real estate agent so they can say they have a career, you know, Mm. or something like, so that's why like working with Jason and Brett have been, has been so amazing because 
they're, they're not, he's not like, they're just my broker. It's like Jason is my partner, you know, and like he really includes you and he'll, he's so busy and so successful. But if I have a question, he will take the time to, you know, help me and guide me and like go on listing appointments with me. And so it's a really good team, but yeah, obviously it is intimidating and I'm still learning. Like I think like you learn every day and it's a tough business. So I'm still learning and I might not be the most savvy with business, like we said earlier, but also like we spoke, but I am good with my relationships. So I've had these businessmen, billionaires use me because of the relationship I've built with them. How do you deal with imposter syndrome and what's your advice for other people who are dealing with it as well in their work? As in? Like, you know, like the thing we're talking about. So when you're in these situations, you're like, well, who am I to be selling this $10 million house? I don't know. How do you deal with that? And what's your advice for other people Mm -hmm. who are in a similar scenario? I think like being able to be vulnerable and realize like, okay, maybe I'm not this this the best at this but work hard nothing that that is what's that saying <laughs> nothing that nothing worthwhile is easy, easy. i don't exactly. know if that's actually yeah, yeah, saying yeah. something like that but like in those like terms yeah. you know it's like i kind of think of it like if say jason i'm going to use him as an example cuz he's so successful and so business savvy and his brain just works in a way that mine probably would never will but I'm like, you know what, if Jason can do it or Mary can do it or Bob can do it, whoever, why can't I? Why can't I? So like, yeah, maybe some days I'm like, oh, you know, it's so hard and like, oh, they're smarter than me or I'm like, you know, I just don't understand that. And, um, but you know, then I ask and I'm not afraid to like be vulnerable and ask, or if I don't know something, I say, you know what, I will find out for you. Um, so I mean, and yeah, sometimes I'm like, how? how did I deserve this life, this amazing life that I have? And I, and why did that person, why are they where they are? And I'm where I am. And I sometimes, even with modeling, like I would like, I have this car, this nice car and they're living this homeless life. And, you know, and I'm sometimes like, why do I have these things? Like, and I have to remember, cause I worked hard for them. Mm-hmm. Things weren't handed to me and I worked very, very hard. And, um, so I don't know. I think be vulnerable, be okay to ask questions and okay to maybe not succeed right away and keep trying and work hard at it and and you'll get there. And it's not easy, but it can come if you work hard. Yeah, that's great advice. Be vulnerable. Look at other people who've done what you want to do and kind of look at the thesis statement of what they've used and employ it for yourself. And then over time, by doing the thing well over and over again, you'll build equity with yourself. So when someone comes at you and tries to question your ability, you'll be like, actually, look at this. Exactly. And you know, what's been hard for me is leaving. I did leave and lived in Sweden with my ex. And I've been back only a few months. And so like building back my relationships with my clients or building back, you know, business, it's been tough. And like, there's been days when I'm like, almost like I get embarrassed because I'm like, oh, I'm just not at that level I was before. And my mom or my friends, they're like, Heather, you just got back from living out of the country, like living abroad. Like, don't be so hard on yourself, you know, and I'm working hard every day to build my business back up. And, um, it's not easy, but yeah, I get down on myself sometimes or like, oh, why did I leave? Like I was doing so well, but you know what? I got to live abroad. So I look at the positive out of it. So if 
we get this amazing show back for the next season. Mm -hmm. Will we get to see your struggle to rebuild, your single life? Like what could we expect from Heather season two? Mm -hmm. Yes. So we're still waiting to announce or hear um, to see if Netflix is deciding, but um, we should know soon. Yeah. Season two is going to be friggin' crazy. (laughs) Not only I think our – is the drama going to be excelled because we are all even closer than we were. And there's a lot of changes in all of our lives right now. I can't say much. Ooh, a lot's percolating. A lot. And there I'm might be. I'm curious to see what's going on with Mary, Mary. Yeah, there <laughs> might be um, a wedding. Um, I'm single now, so I'm sure, you know, I'll be dating on the show or whatever. Hopefully meeting my husband, you know. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty wild season too. And our office, like as far as like selling homes and the listings we have is just bigger and better right now. So something we talk about on the show a lot is fear. Mm-hmm. And I think fear is the root of all evil mm-hmm. and it keeps us from everything good in life. And so I'm wondering what your relationship is like with fear and how you deal with it and overcome it. I think Fear, it holds you back. And I guess like coming back to say a relationship, like people like don't want to date or get into a relationship because the fear of being, getting a broken heart or, um, it's like, yeah, but without going into it with no fear, you'll never know. And you'll never find that love or that job. If they're scared to go after it or there's fear, like how would, how do you know if you don't try? If you don't try, you don't succeed, who cares? And you you move on to the next thing. But I don't think I'm a fearful person. I think I kind of just like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Like even with Playboy, I'm like, I drove myself to the mansion, did my did my test, and I was like, I did it. You know, and I think when you overcome fear, you accomplish so much, and that is so much more powerful. So how do you do that? Do you just oh. trick yourself into thinking it's not scary? I don't think about it. I just do it, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I think overthinking is like such a horrible thing. And like women, I think especially we overthink and we, we come up with these stories in our head as women. Oh my gosh. We're all incredible writers. (laughs) We should be paid millions for our storytelling. Right? It's incredible. But you're so right. You know, one of my mentors, Kevin Undergaro always says, less think, more do. Yeah. And it's such great advice because we really screw ourselves over by ruminating on something when we could just go for it and be so much more successful. So that's great advice. And the longer you don't think, yeah, the longer you think about it and you you fear it, you're not going to do it. Right. Or you're going to come up with these crazy scenarios and stories in your head. It happens with me with dating or with like relationships. Like especially, I keep going back to that because it's so relatable. We come up with these insane stories in our head of why they didn't call or why they're not texting me today or, or whatever it is. And I end up hearing from them an hour later and it's <laughs> nothing that I thought of. You know, it was like nothing. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? I'm so crazy, you know? <laughs> you're not, but it's just... When you really want something, it's easy to get nervous about it, you know? But like you said, less think, more do. Just focus on you and the men will come flocking. No, it's so true. It's It's like you exude that confidence and you just don't give an F. Like, Mm -hmm. and honestly, it just radiates. Your aura just radiates and they come and they come to, it's too many, you know, it's like sometimes too many and. And that's another thing with dating. Just learn to say no. Like if you, if that guy does not excite you to the fullest, 
why go and waste your precious time? So a couple more things before you wrap. I love that you are totally chemical free on your makeup. I am as well. Mm -hmm. And it's a huge move. I mean, your skin is your biggest organ. So if you're putting things on it that are literally poison, you're ingesting poison. So I want to talk about some tips for people, for men and women, how they can start switching over to Mm chemical-free, cruelty-free products. And also, I want to ask a quick question about veganism. Okay. So what would be your advice if you had one piece of advice for like the first thing to switch over to chemical-free? Oh, gosh. I mean, I think whatever you use the most every day – So if it's foundation for a woman or – I don't wear makeup every single day. So for me, that was maybe – I mean, I transitioned everything – over pretty quick, but it's maybe really not hard, but people not. have a hard time mentally getting there. And that's the thing. I guess my advice is do it slow. Then mm-hmm. if it stresses you out to switch everything over, do it slow. Skincare can be a scary thing to switch. I actually, you probably know her, her website, organic bunny. I don't know that one. Yeah. Organic bunny. She has tons of different natural chemical free brands and she picks the very best ones and they range from different prices. So you're not going to, you know, you don't have to spend a ton. She has an esthetician that works with her that customizes your skincare routine. So like when I first transitioned over, I did, I did it too quick. I was listening to all my girlfriends, like what they're using. And I didn't listen to like what my skin needed. So once I found her, I mean, everything changed for me. And then like slowly, yeah, I just switched everything else over. Just start small. Like you don't have to be stressed about it. It should be an exciting thing to switch over to. And there's different outlets now that make it a lot easier than just like going out to a dr- like a store and finding it on your own. So, okay, you're also a vegan. Yes. If someone wanted to switch one thing over, what would be top line item you'd recommend? You mean completely if they're like full on eating meat and full dairy? Full on eating meat, dairy. Oh, gosh. I mean, honey everywhere. I say cut out dairy. But I feel like that tends to be the hardest. But maybe like a milk. Like I feel like switching over from dairy milk to almond milk is not that hard. I mean, that's a no-brainer at this point. Mm -hmm. And and we're in 2019. Like do you want to still be drinking milk that is for a baby calf? So you think of it like that. Like you're drinking milk from a cow that's for their their calf. Like no, it's not meant for us. And um, almond milk, oat milk coconut milk. It's so good. It's so tasty. So I say start with that. You know, every grocery store now is carrying some type of vegan options. Um, I say limit the processed vegan options, but as you're transitioning, it's okay to like go and maybe have veggie burgers. It's not as hard as people think. Yeah. Well, it all starts with one step. So switch that milk, folks. Switch that milk. Yeah. Sorry, I went on a tangent, but I'm passionate about it. No, I understand. I'm also not a pusher. Like I, you know, my exes, my friends, like they're not all vegan. And I'm out at dinner with them and they're like, oh, does this bother you? It doesn't because I, I also don't believe in judging and I don't believe in like pushing things. If someone asks me, yes, I will give advice, but I don't push. I want everyone to do things on their own. So final two questions. I believe creativity is deeply connected to the inner child. Mm. And I like to think of my little Lauren a lot. I love that. So I have a question for you. Okay. If you were standing in a room and it was you and a younger version of you Mm -hmm. and you're looking at each other. Baby Heather. Baby Heather. (laughs) What do you think she would say to you and why? Ooh. That's so sweet to think about, actually. 
she would say, sorry, I'm thinking, wow, that's a, that's a great question. That's a really great question. I love that. I think that she would say, just be strong. Don't be so sensitive and don't let people hurt you. Be a stronger woman. And what would you say to her and why? Mm. I think the same thing. Don't care what people think about you. Just be free and live your life and don't be so sensitive. Well, Heather, thank you. I hope you take both your younger self advice and your own advice because you're a beautiful woman. You are strong. And I think actually your sensitivity is what makes you special. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. So much fun. You're amazing. You are. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and to my amazing guest, Heather Young. For more info on Heather, follow her at Heather Ray Young. And Ray is spelled R-A-E. You can also watch her on Selling Sunset, streaming now on Netflix. And I highly recommend it. It's a really fun watch. Thanks to Liz Full for the show's original music. Follow her at Liz Full. Thank you to my amazing intern, Kate Cordova. Follow her at CordovaKate27. Thank you to friend of the show and past creative guest, Lindsay McCormick, for bringing Heather on the show. Follow her at Lindsay McCormick Sports. And thank you again for listening. If you like what you heard, go ahead and give the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe and follow it on Spotify. Your support means we reach more ears and hearts. Also, don't forget to do a screen grab of you listening to the show and then post it on your stories. Tag me and Unleash Your Inner Creative on Instagram. And I will repost it to show my gratitude and love for you for being part of the community. You can follow the show at Unleash Your Inner Creative at You Are Inner Creative on Twitter. Join the Facebook group by searching Unleash Creative Community and find me at Lauren LaGrasso everywhere. My wish for you this week is that you start to live even 10% more for yourself. I believe in you. Stick around for the creative of the week. The creative of the week is entrepreneur, yoga instructor, and community member, Teresa Baranato, also known as Workspace Yogi. I wanted to mention her and her work because it is truly inspiring. Teresa was able to overcome what she calls her, quote, darkest cloud, fear. She used to close herself off from the world, family, and risks until she found yoga. In 2016, she took the leap and taught a yoga class for a corporate office, and it turned into her passion. Now, Teresa teaches more than seven classes a week at five different corporate offices for those who are exhausted from their nine-to-five jobs and need a stress relief. She also created a website and membership plan for online yoga classes. Follow her and her work at Workspace Yogi and her website, workspaceyogi.teachable.com. Have a great week. Love you.